The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Happy Tuesday. It is trade deadline eve in Major League Baseball. It's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod and Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage. And man, I'm your host, Brandon Warren. I'm on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. And in studio today, we've got producer Justin at I am Justin Bailey. And across the table from me is co-founder of Zone Coverage at T Schreier 3, coming off a strong Zone Coverage staff meeting. Yeah. How's it going? I'm doing well. We did find this out about Justin Bailey, and this has been long suspected about Justin Bailey. He is a double agent. He is a man at the trade deadline trying to put some bad thoughts into the Twins community, into Mr. Falvey, Mr. Levine. He's trying to trade away all their prospects, Byron Buxton. Oh, yeah. He's just mad about the Brewers. He's mad about the Brewers being the third best team in the NL Central, and you you know what? You get one game from the World Series, and you think you'd run the world. Just the worst ever. And so, obviously, recording Tuesday afternoon, roughly 24 hours before the MLB trade deadline, we're aware that Twins trades not only can still break, but most likely will. They've only made one for Sergio Romo, which we will talk about here momentarily. But if they break, we will break them down on Friday's episode again. We've been doing two episodes a week now for, I think this is the second or third week, so... Tiny, Tiny Nick, Tiny Nick, who I watched the five-hour game with in right field, will be a guest. We'll get his perspective on kind of watching the Twins from from that angle. Maybe bring up the the netting. He's well, also he's, he can put up with you for five hours. This he, for trust an hour me, he barely, barely. He also was in Japan where they have that the Thunderdome or whatever. Where yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So he can talk about that a little bit. But we will. Was that the Tokyo Dome? Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thunder Dome. (laughs) My brain is not the best brain. Um, But, uh, but yeah. That's the anti Donald (laughs) Trump right there. My brain is not the best brain. (laughs) Believe me. It's, uh, it's tough for, for everyone listening. Um, But no, I, you know, so we'll, we'll go over any trades, but I think it's worth taking a second on Romo and then how it affects the rest of us. How many beers deep were you or him to get through five hours? (laughs) <laughs> they uh, they do cut off beer sales at at the seventh inning. I think no matter what, even yeah. if it were to go. But uh, yeah, they open them, open the taps back up in the tenth inning. They should. Yeah, no. When they see me, they actually just close all the taps, and yeah. you know, everyone suffers. So yeah, we'll get to some trade deadline stuff. We'll get to some Cleveland versus Houston stuff because I want to know how closely you'll be watching Cleveland's death march in August. Their schedule is obviously much more difficult in August than the Twins is. Yeah. Hopefully Chris from Cleveland is listening and grimacing as he hears us. Now, before we get to today's topic at hand, thank you so much for your reviews. On whatever podcast platform you listen on, those reviews help us gain legitimacy in the eyes of advertisers and podcast providers. So whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, the purple icon, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're finding it, if a carrier pigeon is bringing it to you, leave us five stars if you like the show. If not, slide into those DMs and let us know what we can do differently without you We cannot do the show, so thank you very much for your support. Now, off the top, I want to bring up Loke Van Mill. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, I did. Seven foot one, former Twins prospect. Actually spent, I believe, two separate stints in the twin system. Passed away at the age of, I think it was 34? Yeah, 35. Or 34 is what I said. And uh, injury sustained in an accident. I think he fell while climbing rocks or something and 
just a kind of a cumulative effect. He was going to step away from baseball and just had some complications. So obviously difficult to see that. Thoughts and prayers go out to his family. It's never good to see a member of the Twins family, both extended or, you know, former players to have that happen. So definitely thinking about that. But always jarring to see that come across the wire. Some roster stuff, too, to get to. Uh, Blake Parker cleared waivers, refused the assignment to AAA Rochester, so he is now a free agent. Um, there was a chance maybe that if he went to AAA Rochester, he could come back up in time for September. But with trades going on right now, it kind of makes the most sense for him to see what else is out there. I mean, if a team yeah. that needs help can, what, can pick uh, him up. I mean, what kind of team? Like, is is it? I'm trying to think of what teams even are kind of stacked in their bullpen, and maybe you would want to Blake Parker as as a lower leverage guy. But I think w- maybe you gamble if you're the Angels bringing him back. I mean. Yeah. Or you gamble on the splitter being better or him having some positive regression, which I just don't see. He gave up a lot of home runs. He just he would get himself out of trouble, but you knew with how many times the that other he put shoe pressure was gonna on. drop. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It, and it did against the Yankees. So yeah. so he will be on the lookout for more work. I guess you couldn't rule out him re signing with the twins on a minor league deal, but at this point that seems like very remote potential. Gabriel Moya sent to double A. Quite a yeah. fall for the lefty after getting taken off the 40-man roster earlier this year. And Bruzar Gratterall made a start with the GCL Twins. I believe he threw seven pitches, one inning. Did have a scout reach out to me or a, a contact about if that was planned for him to only pitch that much or if it was him just ramping up, which is the latter, of course. So that's certainly a good thing. Now coming up, Twins in Miami. Miami obviously floundering. They've been kind of stuck in that purgatory for a while now since Derek Jeter took over, and in fact, since before then. But Cleveland and Houston starts tonight. How closely will you be watching that series? And, you know, it's Verlander versus Bieber tonight. Garrett Cole going on Thursday. Yeah. It's a series that probably favors Houston from a pitching and hitting standpoint because – the Indians don't have everybody healthy. You know, they're still waiting on Kluber, Carrasco. Yeah. Still don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer. Okay, let's just stop on Bauer for a second. Uh, how close are you? Oh, yeah. So we have to talk about him throwing the ball into the, the fountain. Uh, is that, right? Justin Bailey, on, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, is that not the funniest thing you've ever seen on a baseball diamond? I thought it was pretty funny, yeah. Uh, just amazing that he, like, his instinct is to be like, you know what? I've thrown a baseball, what, like 97 times today and given well, up leads, all these. He leads baseball and pitches thrown. And he's like, he's like, you know what? Instead of maybe being a normal human and just being like, yeah, this was not my best day, he just takes it and chucks it over the. Uh, amazing. Uh, on a scale of one to Randall Simon hitting one of the racing sausages <laughs> at Miller Park, how would you grade that? I really just want to know what that conversation was with Francona. <laughs> After the, the he mo- like, what yeah, the f he, is wrong with you? Yeah, what yeah, the yeah. f is wrong with you? And then the reverse view, like from the dugout point of view, shows yeah. him pointing to the dugout. Yeah. So I took a freeze frame, and I'm like, when your mom says, "Go to your room until your dad gets home," <laughs> because I certainly had that happen. I don't know if Tom ever did, or if yeah. I mean, that's when you know it's not it's lickety split. You're going to be in real trouble at yes. five o'clock when the old man comes home. Uh, the way he apologized, like he addressed it right out in front with his comments. And this is a guy who's pretty unapologetically Trevor Bauer. Like, Trevor Bauer is Trevor Bauer. He will harass people on social media if they're ripping him. He will stand up for himself with his crazy beliefs. Did did he cut cut his hand? He won't suffer any fools in his own mind. Yeah. 
I, we all suffer him. I don't, I just don't know. I just don't know what Tito had to do behind closed doors. uh, Short of, you know, giving him some lashes. So, I mean, it'd be one of, it'd be something where like, I'm trying to think of what he could do on the mound in like a split second where you don't have to give it much thought. And it was dumb. Like, you know, to, you know, took his hat off, like threw it and hit a teammate in the face or something. And you're like, Hey, don't do that. You could hurt one of the teammates or whatever. And he, you know, he acted like this was something that is like an impulse. And it's like, what, what a weird impulse. Like you have to really wind up to throw a baseball into center field. That's how he does long toss though. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, which is crazy. I mean, it's yeah. And it, he used to, when he would come out on the mound, he would start behind the mound and take a running start and launch the ball like into the, the screen. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's a driveline guy, so he does kind of like the unconventional training methods. But, it, but, but man, everything about him is unconventional. Right. I, you know, I, but I, it's, I'm more pausing on it because it's like, it's funny because it was just so absurd. I, and it's worth saying too, Moya not only sent to double A a bad sign just for his career, he's a young, young reliever, but also, I mean, he, he played as a 22, 23 year old the last two years. He was part of the, and this obviously is, is uh, not a great memory for Twins fans, but Mr. Aaron Hicks, who's mm-hmm. in Active Revenge, He's part of that tree tr- tree. traded for John Ryan Murphy. John Ryan Murphy traded for Gabriel Moya. So <laughs> while Aaron Hicks is, you know, stealing a five-hour game away from the Minnesota Twins, Gabriel Moya uh, sent to double I, I hope he bounces back, but it just this would be the time when he would get an opportunity, just like Poppin or Thorpe or whatever. So th- I think it's worth mentioning that. Um, in context, I, in terms of the Astros, hang on a second though. Moya's ERA was at Rochester was a Twin Cities zip code or area uh, code or whatever. Area code, which one? Six one two, six five one, nine five two, or seven six three. I'm gonna go six five one. Bailey, you can just six one two. Bailey says six one two. It was seven six three. So oh, one of the newer created ones. Yikes. Northwest Metro, but. Sent Yikes. to Pensacola, he's made two appearances, one and two-thirds innings. He has given up. He's faced 10 batters, given up, looks like, four base runners. So things not going great for him in Pensacola either. It, it was surprising to me that he cleared waivers with the need for cheap relief across baseball. But, yeah, it's not going well. Anyway, back to your take Houston, about Cleveland and Houston. Yeah, Houston is coming off. I believe they won two or three uh, against St. Louis and Oakland and, and had – so they well, had a similar stretch a, to the Twins then. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, St. Louis is pretty desperate for wins at this point, right? They're trying to stay stay yeah, in the I mix. Think, I think they'll give you a good challenge night in and night out. Yeah. But the fact that the Cubs have held them off is kind of telling because yeah. the Cubs believe they've had a pretty ugly season. The Brewers are certainly not where they want to be. Everybody in that division is not where they want to be in more mm-hmm. ways than one. So I, and, I think it's fair to say that Houston weathered a pretty tough stretch, almost their Twins-like July stretch. Since June 1, Cleveland has the number one winning percentage in baseball, and Houston has the number six. So this is a pretty good matchup of teams that have played well for nearly two months now. Yeah, so, and I think Houston's probably a better team than New York. You'd agree, the Yankees? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I prefer Houston's rotation. Yankees rotation is like a 15 ERA since they played the Twins. I saw that. Weirdly, I I think the Twins broke them. Which, which, what? You know, right, but and you're not right. the way around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, granted, the White Sox are a little different than the Red Sox, but yeah. the Twins knocked around. But the Red Sox Lucas are. Chialito, Dylan Cease, a couple guys that have some stuff. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And and um, the Red Sox kind of fall in that Cubs camp, right? Not having the, the season yeah, they yeah. want. So. They're right in the middle of the ether. Yeah, I mean, 
I, would you be shocked if Houston sweeps them? It, I guess it's going into Cleveland. It'd be tough, but the twins almost did it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think they were a hanger from Trevor May to Carlos Santana away from having a chance. Yeah. I would be much. Um, I think Houston takes two or three. I do too. I, 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 get, think, yeah. I think Cleveland wins tonight because Bieber is yeah. awesome. And Although Berlander, it's Berlander Bieber. That's but, the thing yeah. too. Like, I don't remember who starts on Wednesday for Cole. And you're going to have to. I thought that was Thursday, up. Cole and Plesek. Oh, sorry. That's right. Yeah. So Wednesday would be. Er, I'm going to start his name. Erkiola? Erkidi. It ends with a Y. But Erkidi. Okay. Yeah. That's a guy that they just called up. And then who starts <laughs> for <laughs> Cleveland? Uh, Plutko. Oof. I don't like these pitching matchups for, that, that's for also, Cleveland. Yeah. If you have ESPN Plus, you Adam can watch Plutko. that game, which. Yeah here in this market you know makes sense but um i i like houston to take two or three if not all three <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know how the twins are going to do in miami but if they come out of miami with a three-game lead or bigger that's that's a good sign yeah i mean i think you learn a lot more about cleveland in this series because of cleveland you know if, the, if cleveland sweeps or wins a two or three i i'd rethink of what you think of the team right on the heels of the minnesota twins well not only that but it's at the trade deadline so they will be primed to add yeah trey mancini nick castellanos yeah. whoever they're looking at yeah, so I, I I think it's worth watching. And like I said, if you're so if you have MLB Network, you can watch the Thursday game. Wednesday, you could watch it on ESPN Plus. Weirdly, the Verlander game you can't see, but um, Verlander Bieber. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I think Houston should take this. It's worth watching though. So speaking of Miami, the Twins made a trade over the weekend, <laughs> yeah. picking up Sergio Romo, who I saw a picture. He's he wears he was wearing this amazing shirt that says "I only look illegal." <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow. So he's got. He's from Mex- I wish people saw Bailey's reaction to he's that. He's of Mexican descent, but he was born in California. So I mean, he's part of the draft. He was a 28th round pick or something. And then so San Francisco basically developed him into. He, he went was. to a, gra- a school in Grand Junction, Colorado. Oof. Uh, Colorado, Colorado Mesa University. Not a, not a big. But then he was with Tampa Bay. Was there Oakland in there too? I want to say. So I mean, yes, he was with San Francisco until he was 30. Three was traded to the Dodgers oh, in yep. seventeen, and then Tampa. Um, oh, for two Oakland, years. I'm thinking of Santiago Casilla. I I get those two guys confused. Yeah, and he was all you know all star at age thirty, and I think was part of all three championships. Yeah, 10, 12, 14. But he only closed in fourteen, right? He was just a setup man. For yeah, I don't remember who was closing then, but uh, Brian Wilson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So um, really good pitcher, not a lot of velocity, but he's a sinker slider guy. Slider is very nasty. I mean, 86, right? 86 to 88. 86 88. Yep. But he's, what, what I like about him and what I like about this is, first of all, he's been really good since May 1. This month, he's allowed, I think, one earned run or zero earned I think it's zero earned runs this month, one earned run in his last 15 appearances. He, first of all, has the playoff experience that if you don't have it, you have to get it somehow. But if someone already has it, it can be valuable because the the moment won't get too big for him. He's closed. He's worked in middle relief. He even worked as an opener for Tampa Bay last year. So he's done everything you can in the game. But he's not going to be phased. And you can also use him in any role. If you need Taylor Rogers early in a game, let's say it's against Cleveland and you want to put Rogers in because Lindor, Santana, and Ramirez are coming up in the eighth, and then you know that the ninth it'll be someone that's not nearly as good. You can save Romo for the ninth there, and it's not going to mess anybody up. So I like the flexibility there, and I think that it's it's important to note they DFA'd Carlos Torres. Didn't even throw a pitch for the yeah. team. They have three kids up. 
Sean Poppin, Cody Stashak, and Lewis Thorpe. Which Stashak to throw against the Yankees as a guy? It's funny they have two guys from from the that area because mm-hmm. um, Smelter is also from there. But they, but they're all they all have options. They sent away the guy who was on the forty man. Didn't have options. Had ugly numbers at AAA, but just was kind of filler. Tells me that they still have plans to fill at least two of those three spots and send some kids back. Yep. But they left that flexibility in place because those guys have pitched fairly well recently. Yeah, I mean, I think they. To, to focus on Romo for a second, I think you mentioned it. It's um, there's always some concern about a 36 year old pitcher, but one who very very recently in his mid 30s was pitching for Rocco Baldelli. Right. Um, I think the flexibility is, is key, um, but also you have to think of how San Francisco won those. It was every other year, and I think it was primarily as a wild card. If not every year, they won was a wild card. Are they I, behind I the Dodgers probably. Yeah, I mean, maybe it wasn't every year, but it was. They were kind of an underdog. You know, they kind of described themselves as the Bochy's, Bochy's misfits, right? I mean, it's kind of this random collection of almost players, almost like the Cowboy Up Red Sox of the early two thousands, where it was like the sum is bigger than the parts. Like it right. wasn't a bunch of superstars. It wasn't Barry Bonds? You know, Madison Bumgarner, Matt Cain, yeah, Barry Zito for Vince a couple Cone, of those years. Some of those. I mean, but Barry Zito was like bad once he got there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, just the names. There, there weren't any. Real superstars, though, you just had guys like Nate Shearholtz. Yeah. Buster Posey's a great player, yeah. don't get me wrong, but he's not a household name. Belt later on. Brandon but, Belt, yeah. Um, but they, they just had uh, guys step up like, um, Bl- this, uh, was it Gregor Blanco? Um, all yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some so, of these lesser-known guys. So, so kind of similar to the Twins, I'd say, where I think they need – I actually think it's worth mentioning that I thought he would just stay in Miami because literally they're going to Miami. They have a day off there. It's it's right. where yeah, he, he was playing for one day. He got up at like six a.m. or something, or took a six a.m. flight. I to me also, I, I'm kind of like it's kind of odd that you're like throwing off this guy's sleep schedule and he's got to concentrate on pitch or whatever. But I if he's that vital to the locker room that they're going to bring him into Chicago to kind of you know get them excited after they lost a, a really the fact that it was it was Nova right that yeah, shut him down. The one of the four that's. The most hittable, probably. Right. I mean, they made is it's Kobe, right? It's Kobe not, didn't even get an out. Right. It, it looked like batting practice. It, like, it was almost kind of like when are we starting the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, uh, yeah, the fact that they see him as that valuable in the locker room to me tells me that factored in as much as anything else here. And we just, I think Rogers will be fine. We don't know how if. Poppin needs to get out. I, I kind of doubt that, but or Smelter or Thorpe or whoever down the stretch. You need someone who who maybe Romero, is gonna maybe right. If this is the sixth or seventh inning and you're like, you know, we can't have Rogers go six outs every time it goes out right, there. Right. I think it's it's great to have, um, yeah, the, this kind of experienced guy to just kind of almost like you have him and Wes Johnson, right, working with the pitchers to keep them. Saying when they need big outs with Cleveland, you know, one to three games out or whatever. So what does your gut say about how many more guys they add? I say two. Do you think two more relievers? I think so. I don't I don't think they'll add a starter, and I've got some yeah. names to circle back on, but I think they're gonna try to get creative on you know, Romo wasn't a guy whose numbers pop. Like his swinging strike rate is I think top thirty among relievers with thirty five innings this year. There's like hundred and seventy five of those guys. So fairly good, like same swinging strike rate as Brad Hand. So, I mean, yeah. pretty good c- company to keep. But his season numbers won't bowl you over. His velocity won't bowl you over. But he just gets it done. 
do they end up getting some more lesser known guys with better peripherals or you know, better FIP than ERA, whatever? Yeah. I think they're going to identify those guys and those are going to be who they target. And I think that it's going to mean that at the end of this deadline, 24 hours from now, they're still going to have a top X number of prospects intact, whether it's five, eight, 10. Outside of 10, I think everything's off the table. But I, I still don't see like this big trade for Noah Syndergaard happening. I, I don't. There's one man in this room who wants this trade, and he's trying to sabotage the Yeah, twins. no, but, it's not happening. But, uh, but uh, no, I agree. I don't think it'll be a starter. Stroman made sense to me, and still, like the rest of everybody, I'm baffled as to why he's a Met. But, uh, you know, I think the... <laughs> uh, I think that they could use two more relievers. I want to be clear about that. I just, with with the Giants presumably not dealing their, their relievers, and that was mm-hmm. four that would have been available or something right. like that, yeah. I just wonder if there, there's, you think there's reasonably two more to get knowing that there's so much demand for relievers. Yeah, I think I do think that they will, but they're not going to target it, the big it, guys. It's not going to be Shane Green. It's not going to be Shane Green. It's not going to be Will Kirby Smith, Yates. Kirby Yates, Felipe Vasquez, Ken Giles, who... He's dealing with an elbow now. I mean, he went and saw an elbow doctor at an MRI. It came back clean, so it's inflammation. If that brings the price down, do you trade for him? I don't know, but here's the thing. He's got another year of control. Toronto doesn't need to sell him just to sell him. They could let him play yeah. out the season in Toronto and trade him in the offseason. There's just no reason to sell low on him, but I just don't see the Twins being in on those names. Some of the guys that I see, your Scott Obergs, Michael Givens, Paul Fry, Ian Kennedy, Jose LeClerc. Chris Martin, not the Chris Martin from Coldplay, but... I mean, he's in play, but... Do you know what my favorite joke <laughs> about Chris Martin is? And I think oh. maybe... I think maybe Bailey, how, Bailey how excited are you for this ha- joke? Have you heard the song Paradise? I have. I have. I know Bailey has, that's, too. That's him singing about when Gwyneth Paltrow goes out of town for the weekend and he gets to have all the gluten he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, respond. <laughs> I have no comment. I don't think he can. No comment at all. It's not bad. It's it's not it's not a joke you can't tell in mixed company. <laughs> sure, so, it's safe. It's safe. It's yeah. safe. Um, before we skip over him, Ian Kennedy is the most complicated trade, right? Because he's, sixteen million or something like that next year, sixteen and a half. If you're the Twins, do you do you go to ownership and say, "Let's take this on" because we have to give up less, or do you go? As uh, I don't think you're touching like Kirilov Lewis for him. Which you, out, without knowing the breakdown, it's hard for me to say. Yeah, I really don't want to pay him sixteen million next year, no matter what. I'd yeah. rather pay eight. And you do that six. knowing that. Who, who, give me a couple names, or what level of prospect do you think you have to give up to get him for eight million dollars? To make them pay eight million. Uh, I mean, Jose Miranda. Okay. Luis Rijo. Okay. I mean, we're not talking um, Trevor Larnick or whatever. You know, I mean, there someone maybe in like the thirteen to. 18 range, maybe 20. That's worth it to you to only pay half on it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, because the markers that Kennedy has in his peripherals suggest that, and I talked to, I'm going to botch his name, Ronnie Jazzy the big right, right. Royals fan slash baseball perspective. I think he was one of the co-founders. He, he seems to be convinced that even if Kennedy loses a tick or two, the markers on his secondary stats are, are good enough to sustain a pretty good level of production. I mean, granted, it was it was kind of the old adage, failed starter. And then granted, not failed at age 34, but he just kind of run to the end of the line at age 34. It was a risky contract. People knew that when they And then they reinvented signed. him as a, a very, very, very good reliever. 
Um, not entirely unlike someone like Liam Hendricks, certainly a much different situation. But anytime you've got a, a starter who busts, you're going to want to give him a chance in the bullpen before you cut. He cut was a loose. first round pick by the the Yankees. Um, Ian Kennedy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was one. I think he was right around the time they had Phil Hughes too. Would have would Kennedy been oh five? Oh six. Oh six. Yeah. Hughes was oh four. Yeah. But it was who can you get for Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy, and they had uh, they had a few other prospects at that time. I think Melky Cabrera might have been in that that situation as well. Yeah, and, and he's thir- thirty four. He was traded for Matt Stites, a guy that I saw play in high school, who's now retired. But that's <laughs> about the coolest thing I know about him is that I saw this kid pitch when he was in Legion Ball for a team in Missouri, and I was like, this kid's gonna play in the major leagues. And like three years later, he was. D- who would be your two targets if you're going to get two guys and actually list them one two? So like, who would be your number one priority? Who would be your you know what would be a reasonable second get? From relievers only? Yeah. I really like Scott Oberg. I don't know if Colorado is willing to deal him. They've spent a lot of money on relief help in the last few years on Wade Davis and Brian Shaw from the Indians. So they've spent some money. But if there's a price tag on Oberg that makes sense, Michael Givens is in mix. You like him. but I, that, that's I, think, the- I think Ian Kennedy would be number one on my list because of the cost to get him. And then it would be really hard for me to pick a second, but I would say Scott Oberg. And Colorado for sure are sellers, right? The only team that's not considering selling the NL West is the Giants, correct? Well, well I the, mean, I mean, of, of the one like the Padres. Padres will Diamondbacks. But the will, Padres Rockies are still will. talking about Noah Syndergaard too, which doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I feel like the Mets and the Padres just like aren't really sure what they're doing. They're kind of the Reds from this yeah. offseason, where they. Trade Homer Bailey, they go and they get, get Puig, Puig yeah. and they get Tanner Roark, and they get Sonny Gray, and they're still not very good. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what exactly the plan is for any of those teams. But the problem is when teams tank and we get upset that guys are free agents and not getting paid enough, whether it's Lance Lynn, right. Logan Morrison last year or this year, waiting on a lot of guys to sign. There needs to be teams in that middle ground that think they can go for it. Otherwise, you have the haves and the have-nots and a huge sure. canyon between them. So we should take our hats off to these teams. I mean, maybe not the Mets because they're just kind of a mess. But no, there's I teams agree. teams in the middle that are at least trying. But but the teams that are – there's a difference between keeping your club together, trying to – you know, you're waiting on a couple prospects to fill out your roster or whatever and going and trading for Syndergaard. I mean, they, they, there's just, in my mind, a – drastic difference between yeah i mean he's got two years of control left you're paying a ton of money to to manny machado and you've got the rookie of the year in fernando tatis jr or at least yeah i mean a contender pete alonzo's having a really great year for the, the mets as well you've got you could really go with like a stars and scrubs approach for the padres they're paying a lot of money to will myers and people i mean they've got they've got um who's the who's the former Texas pitcher that uh, or uh, Garrett Richards, the Angels pitcher, who blew out his arm. He's going to be around next year, assuming he gets healthy. Th- they've got some interesting talents to the point where they could piece it together. Now, how much can you actually piece it together in a division that's with the Dodgers? That's a fair question. I mean, granted, the Rays do it every every year, every other year against the Red Sox and Yankees, so it's not impossible. But the Padres aren't exactly playing with a full deck like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they are yeah. spending money. But can they keep up with the Dodgers? I don't know. Do you is so your two would be Oberg, Givens? That's no, I, I go like. with Oberg and Kennedy. Uh, Oberg and Kennedy. Yep. 
is Givens your number three? I mean, you've just mm-hmm. talked about him as a high upside kind of. I really like Chris Martin too. Okay. He's given up some home runs, but he's got tons of strikeouts, no walks. He does have to be a free agent at the end of the year, though, because when he signed in the offseason, he negotiated a deal in uh, or a, 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 an out in his contract where he has to be released at the end of this year so that he doesn't have that club control hanging over him. Because at his age, he doesn't want to go through arbitration and he's not get 33. Paid. Yeah, so I think it was when he came over from overseas, he negotiated that. So any, any of those guys, though, I mean, Paul Fry from the Orioles is a name that someone brought up to me on Twitter last night, and not a ton of strikeouts, not great walk rate, but ground balls. I mean, anytime you get ground balls and you got some pretty interesting pitch peripherals, maybe you can turn somebody into something and then you're not paying market rate for Will Smith. Or Ken Giles, who had a 4.65 ERA last year. I mean, yeah. Ken Giles was an afterthought when Houston traded him. Granted, it was a bigger trade that brought back Roberto Ozuna, who had his own issues off the field. But Giles certainly did not have the same value a year ago as he does now. Yeah. Um, well, we should talk about who the Marlins got back right, right. in the Romo trade. They sent to the Twins Chris Valamont, a right-handed pitcher who is a driveline guy, throws hard, and a player to be named later for Luis Diaz, who, as I noted at spring training, looked like a thoroughbred, has had a terrific run at Fort Myers, got bumped up to Pensacola, has been hitting there, and then he just had to cross. It was almost like the Doug Minkiewicz thing when Minkiewicz got treated to the Red Sox while the Red Sox were at the Metrodome. All Luis Diaz had to do was cross over because it was the Jumbo Shrimp and the the Pensacola Blue Wahoos were playing each other. So he yeah. just moved over to the other clubhouse. But Diaz was the number 30 prospect on MLB, number 10 on Baseball America. So there are some differing views on, on Diaz. It's You could see a path where you're like, oh, man, I hope he's not the next David Ortiz because he can really hit. But you could also be like, well... Could he be the next Kenny Vargas, you know, big-bodied first baseman who looks the part but doesn't act the part? Diaz is a better fielder, but he hit so poorly last year and then broke his thumb that a year year ago he would have had no value. They didn't add him to the 40. He went unclaimed in the Rule 5 because he wasn't going to stick in in the big leagues. This year, again, he could have gone in the Rule 5 if the Twins didn't add him to the 40, which with Kirilov and you've got C.J. Krohn, and you've got, who else am I thinking of at first base? Brent Rooker. I mean, any, any of those guys were ahead of him already. So it was going to be a 40-man crush anyway. Instead, Valamont, you know, he throws hard. He's had some issues with walks, but he's touched 98. And, um, and one thing I want to think or kind of hone in on is the Marlins have had a really bad history of trading pitchers and then them becoming big-time pitchers away from them. Luis Castillo with the Reds and Chris Paddock with the... Padres. So again, I know that's not a related thing, but it'd be kind of funny if Valmont turned into the best player in the deal and he was actually like a, a kicker rather than that. A, a little like the Pierzynski trade, to be honest, right? Yeah, he was yeah. the he's the boof bouncer of the trade where you're like, well, maybe you'll be okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it's funny that they got creative with like a, a reliever trade, right? Usually you just see here's a prospect that you want and we think is equal value. But that's why it. I think they're gonna get creative with whatever they do. They're they have shown a ton of ingenuity in addition to a desire to not pay market rate for anything. They also have a clause in there. So there's a player to be named later. And I think they have like six guys, right, that they can. Yeah, usually it's a list. And if the list doesn't come to fruition, it's cash. Yeah. But they would announce it as player to be named or cash. So it's a list of six players or however many they agree on. 
to choose from. Most famously, I don't know if you ever heard this, but the A-Rod deal, the prospects that Texas could choose for, or, uh, yeah, the Texas could choose from were, um, it, was, it was a middle infielder and then a guy named Robinson Cano, and they picked the other one. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. Which, which one do you think is better, Bailey? Uh, probably the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, that, I did not know that, but that's uh, that was a whoops. I, I, yeah, I kind of like the getting creative w- with what could be a simple trade and just adding arms to the system, knowing that, like, Duran, for example... He's he's rocketing up some lists. Yeah, I mean he, he's a bad example because he could be in the majors, but you know some of these guys that they've they seem to know that you just play a numbers game in the minor leagues. Joaquin Arias, they picked Joaquin Arias instead of. Um, I'm a big Arias. Joaquin Arias guy. Yeah. Bailey, Bailey's with me on I this. I got a jersey at home. At a guy, <laughs> so, you you don't do you? Oh, I was gonna say. So Romo uh, <laughs> Romo since Romo since May one, two eight three ERA, three seven one FIP, twenty six to nine walk to rate. Uh, Strikeout to walk ratio in 28 and two thirds innings, 680 OPS against, 15% whiff rate. He's been very, very good since May 1, in like a six ERA in April, and you can't just pretend that didn't happen. But obviously, those are good numbers since May 1. The numbers even closer to now are better than that. I have no problem with this trade. It, at it's all. a good trade as long as they do something else. That's the way I see it. it yeah, is. it doesn't make sense to me to not. Yeah. Oh, breaking news. The Cardinals have claimed Adalberto Mejia off waivers from the Angels. Now the Brewers are in trouble. Yeah. Do we have a sounder? <laughs> no. But um, I, I have a take. The take that I put out on Twitter. Oh, boy. About the trade deadline. Uh, if you want the Twins to acquire big names, you'll be disappointed. If you want quality, that's going to be a different case. So Sergio Romo, not a big name, but it's good quality. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good reliever. Didn't cost that much. If you want them to go get Ken Giles, Will Smith, Felipe Vazquez, whoever we mentioned before, you're going to be disappointed. Why if you does want this Noah Matt- Syndergaard, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't get from a reliever stand. I know you're trying to sabotage the Twins, Bailey. The the uh, <laughs> um, I get from a starter standpoint why you care about the name because we kind of know who the best starters are in baseball. Mm-hmm. I I totally do not understand it from a reliever standpoint, especially when, and again, this should not be a reminder to anyone Matt caps would have been considered kind of a quote unquote mm-hmm. big name at the time. Well, and it's like buying a box of cereal when the bags of Malto meal that are the same exact cereal are just so much more reasonably priced. Yeah. You know, you can Sam, you don't need him yeah, uh, right. pitching for you or whatever, but I, it's just funny that I think that trade, it's just like the, um, the whole Rubio draft or whatever, Rubio and Flynn Curry, like that stuff sticks in the back of your mind. It, you know, if you, if you're here in Minnesota following sports, the, um, yet I don't know why people aren't making an association. I refer to this Royce column, but to me, that's trading Alex Kirilov for Kirby Yates. That's the example he what uses. Right. I mean, it, it, I, I get maybe moving Kirit now. I wouldn't touch Lewis, but I maybe get Kirilov to get a Syndergaard type starter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, he should ne- he should never be involved with a reliever trade. Nor really like Larnick shouldn't be either. Right, right. And, and I get that you're going to run out of major league spots in some sense just because this team is filling out. But it gives you the opportunity to make a major league level trade in the off season mm-hmm. if you want it. If if you wanted to move the Kepler or something. trade that we talked about right. last week. Um, if you you know it gives you injury ins- insurance. It also just having good minor leagues. I think has been part of the success story for you know for the 
Minnesota Twins, as in Byron Buxton, those guys came up in an environment where they were winning and pushed to win and had players around them that could win. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that translates in some ways to what you see on the field, let alone you can trade prospects next year, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like if you don't trade Larnick right now, you couldn't use him in a trade to get a starter next season or in the offseason. So, no, and, and that's when it's going to be necessary with three guys hitting free agency. Yeah, I mean, so I, I just think to try to put this in context, I think they need to make one other move for sure. I like the idea of getting another reliever, even someone who's not not a big big name but part of the success of the bullpen is you're instead of putting Poppin or Thorpe or Stashek in a high leverage situation which they did mm-hmm. against the Yankees right um or Smeltzer or Smeltzer Smeltzer's another good one instead you're just saying just go get outs in a game where let's say Kyle Gibson only goes five mm-hmm. or Burrios doesn't have his stuff and only goes five um there, there's, if they didn't have, well, I guess my point is, if you didn't have the reinforcements, I think you know the reinforcements from AAA are super important. If you didn't have them, I think even going getting these relievers is a bit of a fool's errand because you create an expectation around them that isn't fair, and, mm-hmm. and it's that they can fix everything. They just they should just make the other players around them better, just like Nelson Cruz, CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope, all those guys in some ways took pressure off of Sano Buxton. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There's no guarantees either. People are saying, well, I want the Twins to go for it this year. Go for the World Series. Take a chance. Trading for Noah Syndergaard doesn't even guarantee a World Series. Justin Bailey thinks it does, but I'm kidding. But the twenty, I think it was 2014 Tigers were swept by Baltimore, even though they had Price, Verlander, and Scherzer. I mean, imagine having that one, two, three punch and (laughs) losing right away. Was that the Delman Young Baltimore Orioles? Mm, that I might have been not. after that. I don't. No, that would have been after that. I think. Okay. I think uh, that was the twenty. I think they were like the twenty thirteen or twelve. Orders. No, I mean this. This is what people have to keep in perspective: is right now the Twins, and this is according. You can maybe look it up on Fangraphs, but according to Baseball Reference, they have an eight point seven percent chance to win the World Series. That's a good chance in terms of how World Series potential works. Right. The. The issue is there's regular season baseball and there's postseason baseball. And in the regular season, over the course of the year, the best teams do tend to win. That's not a guarantee in the um, in the playoffs. Now, now I, I think it's gotten better. It tends to be now where you're like, it makes sense who's in the World Series or but, whatever. But if you add Syndergaard, that maybe goes from 8% to 10%, 11%. It's not like 8% to 25% like fans might think. And just for reference... The Houston Astros have an 18% chance to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it's, um, I think. You'll almost never be over 20. Yeah. I mean, I, my point is, I think the odds, if people who want to see a championship, and I'm talking period, like as a statement, the best odds that you can create there are to open a large window, to have more urgency than the 2002-2010 team. I have a building a sustainable winner is my next bullet point. Yes, because people, you cannot equate the 02-10 team with whatever this window is going to be because they were in the Metrodome. Yeah, more assets, more financial flexibility, better farm system, right. better data. Just, just they didn't have analytics guy. They don't have a Levine and, and Falvey in that front office. And their army of underlings. Guardy, the expectation for Guardy and the Twins and Terry Ryan and what Terry Ryan was good in his first stint 
um, doing was this is a near contraction team mm-hmm. playing in a football stadium in a weak division, right? They just got the best out of kind of a eh, team, a right? Tag bunch of guys. I mean, it, what they didn't do from 11 to now is maximize the new stadium. You obviously had Maurer. You have, you know, at one point you had, you still had Kadir Morno, you know, some of those guys that was squandered and they didn't take advantage of kind of, it'd be like if the Rays moved into a better stadium or Oakland moved into mm-hmm. a better stadium. You're like, why, why is Oakland all of a sudden spending all this money and not winning or you can't turn it on all at once. That's the problem is the bad process at the end of the metronome years. 2010 right. was maybe the best team of our lifetime in terms of talent. Yeah. And then it just fell apart. And that's why people, well, they haven't spent money in target field. They haven't had a potential for a winner like this. The best teams they've had at Target Field were the 2017 team, yeah, who barely contended because everyone else around them fell apart. Mm-hmm. The 2015 team, who was in contention until like the last two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Other than that, it's been all bad teams. Falvey said last and week- And not great players. You're not going to spend a lot of money on Luke Hughes or right. whatever. But, but Falvey said last week, they're not concerned about taking on money if that's what it requires. Granted- there really aren't that many great players available in trades that are that expensive anyway. Noah Syndergaard's making like six million. Will Smith, all those relievers are like three, four million. It's yeah. that Kennedy. Money, it money seems like they do. Kennedy would be something they'd figure out. They're not worried about what the finances mean. And the other thing about the payroll argument is we didn't even know what the team would look like on the field. They've been this good with this payroll. Ten more million dollars on whatever to get them back to what last year was. It's not like they'd be a better team. You know what I mean? Uh, no, and, and furthermore. Because re- the relievers was like a minefield. They, they could have gotten Joaquin Soria. He's been terrible. They yeah. could have gotten any number of guys. I mean, Uri's Familia has been a disaster for the Mets. That was like the number one guy I wanted to get. Yeah, I, I think trading for relievers now is the right strategy. It's just a stressful strategy because the market shifts all the time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, think of the Giants. The other thing to consider is I think because of target field, because of the passion for the Twins, now they're winning. We'll, we'll, we'll have more discussion about Eddie Rosario, but I feel like the guys you spend on are Byron Buxton, Eddie Rosario, Jose Brios. Having said that, even if you spend the requisite money to keep them in town, let's say you keep Brios, uh, or sorry, Rosario through age 32, you know, Brios on a longer term deal, reasonable knowing he's a pitcher, Buxton on a, a pretty big contract, mm-hmm. which is what we expect. Mm-hmm. And not traded for Syndergaard, uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Right. <laughs> I I still... You still, I think, need Kirilov if Kirilov may end up being a better player than Max Kepler, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. You and know, he, or there's a fair chance. I mean, the first three years of Kepler for sure, but this current edition of Kepler, that it's tough. I, I'm Max Kepler's the been juice great. baseball throws it all into flux. Yeah, and to be clear, what I'm saying about Larnick is, I think he's going to use more of the field. Yeah. So, so Kepler is effective, but it's a very like pull con define. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, Brian Dozier was kind of like that, right? Larnick uses the opposite field more. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll be a fun hitter to watch. Mm-hmm. Why you need Royce Lewis is even though you have Planco under contract, I think he's going to end up at second base because of his arm strength. And he's he'll be a very, very good second baseman with how he hits. But you, it, it, it is hard. Like, it's hard to get Lindor, right? I mean, it's hard to get a, a star sh- shortstop like that right right and you just can't bank on doing that going forward that's why you need that prospect so i mean that's the point is with ian kennedy you're willing to move some prospects some lower level ones because even if they pan out 
they might not have panned out here because there's no room for them, but they're still in these key positions, whether it's kind of that a good hitting outfielder, another one I realized, but Larnick has a role. Shortstop, Lewis would still have a role. The guy you can maybe move is Nick Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. If he's a, yeah. short, a second baseman, something like that, because you have a rise and you have Polanco and you have, you know, whatever. Update. Blake Parker has signed a major league deal with the Phillies. So we're, we have live updates. On I love how we're going to have breaking news about Mejia and Parker, but yep. the trade will happen 30 minutes after the, oh, well. the podcast drops. So to circle back on bullpen stuff, again, focus on the secondary guys. Not secondary in terms of quality, but just what will cost less in terms of prospect talent to acquire. So it'll be creative. Uh, maybe like an Archie Bradley who's having a tough year but was really good last year. And then what I said was, Trade Escobar back to the Twins, you cowards. That was a joke. Esky. That was a joke. I, I just I want to make a joke because there was a big list of players available. Andrew Chafin, left-handed reliever for the Diamondbacks, would look pretty good in a Twins uniform, but I was not serious about Escobar. They don't have him. It was a, clearly a gag. Yeah. He'd be really good in this. He, he was a really likable guy, I still think. We talked a lot about Marwin and Luis Arise. Uh, Luis Arise, for example, He's a different guy, but could play kind of the Escobar role in terms of his influence on other players in the clubhouse. Like he is, he seems really likable and energetic, and there's some positivity that comes from having him him on the team in the major league roster. Yeah, no question. So what I wonder is if they'll circle back on some of these secondary starters. Robbie Ray, big strikeouts, big walks, big home runs, but a he's he's got big arm talent i think and i said last night on twitter maybe west johnson waves his magic wand over him and he becomes a legit ace because he has the stuff mike minor is another name um i know someone said lance lynn i'm not really buying that no god no well and i add his money and how he's playing would be fine but i just i'm not buying that it's also just like they're both in a good place away from each other right lance lynn's taken off it seems like the team (laughs) i think he's happy in texas but In your estimation, if they don't make a move, is the rotation fine? Um, they've been second in ERA for most of the year. Yeah. Their five guys, last I checked, were in the top 22 in Fangraphs. Who, who comes up if they get hurt, like Panetta gets hurt or something? Smelter, probably. That, that's the only concern I have. I think you can pass. Justin Salvis is hurt. Yeah. Stewart has not been good. And yeah, Stewart, like how, I thought, much, how much of the rest of the rotation can you name at Rochester? Stewart will probably get another chance as a reliever. Thorpe I, maybe would get a chance as a starter. They got to yeah, keep it's just out. a lot to ask of Lewis Thorpe. I mean, it just it, it, you know it's different if, in a relief role. The only reason why you maybe make that move is you put Perez in the in the bullpen and yeah, if they make a trade and get Robbie what, Ray or Mike Miner, you put Perez. In what the what is the cost of those guys? Like, what kind of prospect are you giving? Pretty up? good prospect. Kirloff. No, Larnick? I think you're in that Larnick territory for sure. Yeah. Balazovic, Gratterall. Yeah. You start getting into the three. Balazovic, when he got going, and he's like 20 years old, a guy from Canada, right? Who, again, I'm a little surprised wasn't like intriguing to the, the Blue Jays and Stroman. But um, like that's the kind of player I'm talking about. You wait on that guy because he might provide a lot of value for yep. you. Oh, yeah. But, but at the same time, like Bruce Dar Gratterall, He's had a shoulder issue. Yeah, I think he's going to be a reliever. There's a potential he'll be a reliever. Yeah. And if he could have gotten you Marcus Stroman, would you have considered it? I don't know. Now, Yeah. What, I mean, I, trading for a, a starter to basically replace, in case of an emergency, uh, uh, Pineda or, or Perez makes sense. In my mind. I, I want to attack a logical fallacy I've seen a lot that the Twins won't add. And 
I, I don't know where that fear comes from. Everyone says, well, they've always talked about it. They haven't had a position to do it. They haven't had a team that was worth making drastic additions to in target field history. I mean, maybe the exception of the 2010 team. And I don't know. I mean, they added Pavano the year before, but still it's not like they, they did a, a lot, I guess. But I just I don't see a team before this that had a, as pressing a need. And we've also seen that last year they said they were done. Then they signed Logan Morrison and, and Lance Lynn. Everyone thought they were done before that. You know, this offseason, they added a whole bunch of big league talent. Nelson Cruz, Jonathan Scope, C.J. Crone, Martin Perez, who ended up being better than everybody expected. Falvey said they can take on salary. What I think happens is if nothing happens and people create the rumor that it was about money, those rumors are stoked by people who wouldn't have the intimate knowledge of that in the first place. They're just kind of being rumor mongers. They're going to throw it out there and say, oh, the Twins are being cheap. Even though the players they're rumored to be interested in or all the players that are available are not that expensive. The, the expense is prospect talent, which is a right. different kind of quote-unquote cheap and is one that I think fans buy into more because they feel more invested in the sense of players in the future and instead of Polad's cash, which I get. Of I, course. It makes sense to me. I, but that, yeah, again, that's more in the GM. I think it is a, it's, it's a something to reiterate, which is – Signing a player costs the owner. Trading assets away tends to fall on the GM. As in, I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think the Polats are like bugging Thad Levine if he wants to move guys from you well, know, they're four like buyers or something. Super interested in if Royce Lewis gets traded. Right. But but they, I don't think, I don't know how invested they are in like Miranda, right? Or, yeah, trying, yeah. you know, Wander Javier or something like that. I, I, probably not at all. Yeah. So. I think that's an important distinction to make. I also think people assume that spending more solves more issues, and it it doesn't unless you go like nutso like the Yankees, where you're constantly. And even they, and what they're kind of they haven't won a World Series in a decade plus. And they also have have managed their team differently recently. I think people kind of oh, miss they, that they've too. They've made smart moves in addition to spending money. Yeah, and even still haven't won a World Series. It's not so much that you either spend money or have to be super smart or both. It's the fact of the matter that. Four teams on each side, no, five teams on each side make the playoffs and only one wins the World Series. It's, it's I, a sheer numbers game. Having said that, I think the Poets and just Twins ownership, the business side, could do a solid. Um, and it, it, I, I think I think they've lost the trust of kind of the average fan in Minnesota, average Twins fan. Maybe they'll always people will always be distrustful of them, but they could, by, by again, signing... Buxton, I'm talking the homegrown guys where they've gotten value on them, and we're pretty certain they're gonna be good by signing, you know, Buxton, but did Rosario, or whatever. And, and Kepler start that process of people trusting again or not? A little bit. I think those are. It should. I'll, I'll put it that way, and I think it may have. Those are value deals, though, and I think the difference is like a Buxton is a super risky contract. I do it just like I do the Mauer deal again. Let's say we're just resetting everything, and we don't mm-hmm. don't know he gets hurt. I'd make that deal in a heartbeat again, but it's because you got value on the front end because he was a lo- good locker room presence. Because from 06 to thirteen or whatever, he was a unicorn, right? He was this crazy hitting mm-hmm. catcher, um, and for the last two years of his career, actually hit all right. And so the reason why I, with Buxton you take that risk is he has the potential to be this 
Kiermaier level defensive player with Tory Hunter offense. Yeah, I, exactly. And I think, um, uh, I think they take, they should take that risk to try Cause if you do, if you sign these guys, the homegrown guys who people have bought their jerseys and grown attached to and have been part of winning for the twins, mm-hmm. that should mitigate some of the hard feelings people have about the bad seasons in target field, which people should be upset about. I just, you know, I think there's too much of a correlation or a, they draw too much of a correlation between spending and, and, and you know, the Trying. actual results because, you know, ask Mariners fans about that, right? They spent a hundred million dollars on the team and lost a hundred games yeah. and the twins nearly did that. You know, they lost 99 games with the franchise record payroll yeah. in 2011. So, so, so my point is it's not wrong to be upset. It's actually not wrong to push ownership to spend more. It's more, they sh- ownership should take these actions. And therefore I think fans um, should, should recognize that and see like, look, if Kirilov gets really good, he'll be around for a while. If Lewis gets good, he'll be around for a while. And you'll be glad you hadn't traded them for a reliever who was already gone at that point. That, exactly. I want to talk about this trade Miguel Sano chatter that keeps coming up. Justin Bailey starts these rumors. So he does. First Justin. of all, let's, let's talk about the Noah Syndergaard trade, what people are trying to pass off. The Mets don't need Miguel Sano. They have, <laughs> Pete I mean, Al- they have do Pete, they? <laughs> they have Pete Alonso at first. Yeah. They have Robinson Cano at second and Jeff McNeil at third. So yeah. McNeil could play second, but Cano's not going anywhere because he's owed like a billion dollars. McNeil could play the outfield, but they've got a pretty full outfield with Nimmo and Cespedes and Conforto. Cespedes is coming back from a serious heel, so maybe he doesn't do anything. But they don't need Sano. People need to stop trying to trade Miguel Sano, first of all, because this one-month hot streak doesn't negate the fact that he hasn't been very good the last two years. He's 26 years old. It's not like teams are going to see a lot of value in him that the Twins aren't already getting. They're going to buy this hot streak as anything more than something he needs to prove he's going to sustain. They do not have an adequate backup for him at third base. And keep in mind, people are, rise, right? Well, yeah, and people are saying, oh, the Mets, they're dumb. They just made a really good Marcus Stroman deal with two guys who are not top 100 prospects. They have to be salivating at the idea that if they sign Zach Wheeler, they're going to have a rotation next year of Syndergaard, DeGrom, Wheeler, Stroman, and Steven Matz. Stroman and Steven Matz were rivals in high school. Which could literally cover for every other stupid thing they do, right? I mean, like, could cover for, like, Mets sure. issues, basically. Sure, yeah. I mean, granted, they've had a really good rotation in terms of names this year. Was it 15 they went to the World Series? Against uh, the Royals? Yeah, that sounds right. Because the Giants beat the Royals, and then the Royals beat the Mets. Yeah. Because Lucas Duda's got a noodle arm. Um, anyway, Arise is not the answer at third base. He's not going to keep hitting like he is. What I see Arise is, as is the starting second baseman to open next year. And like we've said on the show before, a future Marwin Gonzalez who moves around a little bit. I mean, maybe he sticks long-term at second, or maybe he plays a bunch of games all over with Polanco starting at second, Lewis starting at short, and Sano at third, or whoever at third that emerges, or, or maybe Arise at second, Lewis is at third, Polanco's at short. Maybe it all works out, but they have enough pieces, whether, you know, maybe Wander Javier figures it out, Junior Severino, whatever. I just don't see a rise as a guy who should be playing third base every day. And not only that, CJ Crone is on the IL, so they've had Sano playing first, a rise playing third, Scope playing second. Marwin could play third, too. Marwin can play yeah. everywhere, but he's better off 
moving around because he's more valuable that way than in one position. It's just the whole trade Sano bit makes no sense to me how he somehow in people's eyes has value when a month ago he couldn't hit anything. Since, <laughs> I, did, since I just want to go through ride. these. Since I, the trolley ride, man. I want to go through the splits just because they're, they're kind of telling. So within the last seven days, 412, 474, 765. For Miguel? For Miguel Sano. In the last 14 days, 302, 400, 674. Last 28, 292, 386, 583. I, you know, what he did was he was working on his mechanics in the major leagues. This is something in the offseason we should go over with Drew Blake because he'll explain it way better. Mm -hmm. But basically, because he's seeing major league pitching the whole time, he probably is improving quicker than people realize. And it sticks with you when they play these long games and he strikes out five or you know, then he strike out five times once or whatever. He, you know, he's every time he's up, we're in the 16th inning. It's long game. You just want to, to drive a guy home. He strikes out. It's, it, it, you know, that, that memory will stick with you more than snow. People should remember snow putting one in the second deck up of the bullpen in right. a major game with the, against the Yankees. I don't know why people want, it's just, it's just weird. Maybe it's because home runs have become so routine. You know, maybe it's just like everyone just assumes the ball is juiced. But he's been an average defender at third this year. I know that there have been a yeah. few errors here or there, but he's been average over there. He's more nimble than you'd think for he's a bigger not, guy. Well, and a guy that's got a rod in one of his legs. Yeah. I mean, he moves okay. He's not yeah. big. I, I've seen him recently, and I thought he looked leaner than maybe recent years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I sense a different commitment from him right now than maybe two years ago. Yeah, and I think... I'm not saying that he's untradeable. I mean, the only guys I really see in that camp would be like a Brios or but, I, but I, like I tweeted, I don't think he has as much value to another team as he does Especially, right now to the Twins. Totally. So my point is, long term, if he stays here long term, he probably eventually becomes a first baseman. But he may, he may hit well enough that that's or DH. Bad. I mean, maybe he's the DH. Yeah. I mean, he may have like a Nelson Cruz type career right I mean, he could be better right he was better at Nelson Cruz age. wasn't even a regular by this age yeah I but I see it more if, if you're going to move on from Miguel Snow it would be in the offseason and I think what would happen is Odorizzi signed somewhere else Pineda signed somewhere else you maybe retain Gibson and you're looking for a starter or something like that. but you're looking for a starter like a you're not looking for a star. You're really looking for someone like a third starter, right? In a Sano mm -hmm. trade. Yeah. So. And does I, that make sense? Right. So I just, I think it's worth looking at what has happened ha recently for snow because it's not, it's not, it's not just luck. It's he, he's worked on mechanics and mm -hmm. they're coming to fruition now. So there's a rumor going around Lavelle Neal, the third reported it, that the Mets asked for Byron Buxton in the trade not even just straight up. I think it was part of the deal. Um, I think that's fair to ask. Yeah. I just don't think it makes sense for the Twins. Now, a year ago, do you remember the Keep Cave trade Buxton crowd? <laughs> that was not not the smartest people in, no. the, in the crowd. <laughs> I, even, I even searched it to see how many of those tweets were left that people hadn't gone back and scrubbed. <laughs> and there was a handful of them. But in my estimation, Buxton is the team's most valuable position player. Like we said with for sure. True Blood. He's kind of the pivot point for the Twins like Jose Ramirez is for the Indians, like the backbone, the the guy that's going to make everything go, oddly enough, from the number nine spot in the order, but it's worked. I just, I, 
it didn't make sense for the Twins to make that deal, even though I think Thor is worth more than Buxton if you were to compare those two as assets. Justin Bailey, saboteur of the uh, Minnesota Twins. Agree. I, I'm with you. Maybe it's a fair trade in a ba- vacuum. It's, it's probably actually Stroman's a good comparison where you're like, yeah, in a vacuum, that's a good trade. Just why is the, why are the Mets the ones making that? Yeah. I, um, yeah, we're going to no way, that. no way I make that because Byron Buxton could be, see, 24, Five, how, 25. 26, I mean, he could, he could be on the team until he's 35. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's less likely as an outfielder, but um, it's just, it's fine to ask. It's a, it's no way I'm doing that if I'm, I'm the 20, he's 25. So yeah, no way I'm doing that. Yeah, I agree. So the Stroman deal, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson, neither top 100 guys. Kay had a 149 ERA in AA. He's been up in AAA for a little while now, 661 ERA. He is 24, so the belief is that he's more or less big league ready, but is probably a back end guy. Woods Richardson is 18, 425 ERA with big strikeout numbers at low A. Kind of an underwhelming return for Stroman. Had a lot of people ask me, couldn't the Twins match that? Darren Wolfson with Channel 5 sounds like the didn't really circle back to the Twins, but at that price, I mean, would you trade Blaine Enlow and Johan Duran for him? I probably would. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're worried about uh, is it Duran Duran because he could be a or maybe Durin. he could be a reliever next year, right? But I mean, I, I feel like I make that maybe, trade. He's maybe a Fernando Romero type in terms of arm talent. He really yeah. can sling it. He's got Romero, good man. secondary stuff. Yeah, I still believe in Romero. I hope. I hope. But he, a year ago, look at where Romero value was. Yeah, talking about trading him for. Also, other teams are smart. They didn't look at Romero a year ago, and they were like, you know, that's an ace, right? They right. They'd wait the sample size out too. Yeah, I. So I, I mean, the Twins could have matched that. I feel like I'd make that trade. Yeah, people need to ta- stop talking about Zach Greinke. For the Twins? Again, Justin starts these rumors. He's, I don't know why you're yelling at he's me. He signed through his age 36 and 37 seasons. Like, remember when Twins fans wanted James Shields a few years ago? <laughs> and then I he got traded for Fernando Tatis Jr. And had just awful time in Chicago and had nothing left. So Zach Grinke has a no-trade clause that the Twins are on, first and foremost. He is due $64 million in just salary. Woof. Over the next two seasons, plus about $12 million this year. And there's deferred money in his deal that I don't know how that would work, just like Max Scherzer. So you could figure paying at least $80 million for the next two-plus years for Zach Greinke, whose average fastball is 89 to 90 miles per hour. Now, he can pitch at that velocity, but I feel like that it's a thinner margin for error where the next two years— could go in any direction. I mean, everybody's going to decline at some point. Yeah, he's 35. He's pitched at this level for a long time, and he has never, I don't think he's been a big velocity guy since Kansas City. However, it just does not make sense to me to make that trade. And again, there's no proof he's even going to waive the no trade clause to come to Minnesota. Mr. Bailey, saboteur. He's very good in the field. Uh, oh, God, gold Bailey. glove caliber pitcher. Oh, God, He's won Bailey. like six of them. So Bailey. no one's dropping bunts oh. down on Granky. Oh, I'll let, I'll say that right now. Well, that in a World Series trophy will make you a champion. Yeah. I, uh, he was pretty instrumental in a Brewers push for the World Series about eight years ago. That was. Yeah, that was their CC Sabathia move of that year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Uh, the Randy Johnson of the Diamondbacks. The team we traded away to get. Grinky went on to win a World Series. Oh, yeah, it was Lorenzo Royal, King. It was, yeah. was Oda Rizzi in that trade? 
I don't know. It was like seriously like half of the roster and Ned Yost won. It was literally Brewers version two down in the in Kansas City when they won yeah. that. But I, I, I'm gonna look this trade up. It's, I thought older, I thought it was Odorizzi Kane and Alcides, but I may be remembering right. Uh, I think you're right. It, and I don't uh, think Odorizzi pitched in the big leagues with Milwaukee, but he did briefly with the Royals. Kane, Alcides, Espres, Escobar. Jeremy Jeffers, yep. Jeffers, yep. Jeffers. Sorry, and uh, Jake Odorizzi, and and holy the- crap, that's a lot of talent. <laughs> what? What the hell? See yeah. Bailey. This is why you don't listen to Bailey. Bailey's like he's right about okay, Lewis Brinson or hey, whatever. But, but the- oh boy, he's gonna trade everybody now. <laughs> but the Sabathia deal, the real only real prize was Brantley. I yeah, mean, and he was the player. That you want to talk about pro- players to be named later? He was the player to be named later in that. Otherwise, trade. it was Matt Laporta. I mean, yeah. same deal. Um, but yeah, Gold Glove pitcher every year he wins uh he beat zach davies last year for the uh oh boy for the gold glove so i mean was davies a finalist he was yeah wow. who else was oh, i don't know who cares true <laughs> lorenzo kane doesn't have a gold glove they're they are meaningless yeah they don't mean absolutely anything. meaningless but still you know you're not dropping down a bunt on uh zach granke out there i say get him to minnesota literally the last person i want to talk to about with trades is justin bailey literally now, literally the last person i want to clarify on my johnny cueto treat tweet not treat from a few days ago i said that f- i think it was five years ago maybe it was four the royals traded for johnny cueto they traded john lamb they traded who else did they traded? brandon finnegan they traded it was one other guy i'm looking it up and they have combined this year for six and a third innings in the big leagues Trade your prospects. What I'm saying is not that you trade all your prospects because each of these guys were prospects as well, but you shouldn't let prospects get in the way of acquiring an elite talent when your chance is there. The Royals did it with Ben Zobrist. They didn't. They traded Sean Manaya, which was not great, but they did it for Johnny Cueto. I'm, if you're close, like the Twins are right now, I, I could agree with trading some prospects, some pitching, but do you have the deal up? Yeah, it's uh, Finnegan, Lamb, and Reed. Cody Reed. Cody Reed is who I was forgetting. Yeah, those guys have combined for like six and a third inning. Mr. Bailey chiming in if on I a trade. If I could throw in uh, one more anecdote. Uh, I don't on, think uh, you can, but go no, ahead. No, if you, this is more serious. <laughs> to your point of if you're close, just go for it. Uh, the Brewers have one of the worst ranked uh, farm systems in the entire league right now. Um, I think Baseball America says it is the worst farm system in the league, and they were one game away from the World Series right now, and have uh, they're struggling this year. Obviously, we mm-hmm. all know that, and now they have a terrible farm system. So I think if you would roll back the clock a year, I think front o- David Stearns and the Brewers front office would be a little bit. Maybe you don't uh, get rid of Hirab just because we've obviously the kid is a, a lock for the hall of fame already lock kid They're is chiseling just, his bust already. just lighting it up right now. But I think they are a little Tom got more excited when I said chiseling his bust. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are not, a, not what you're thinking. They would have been more comfortable, um, trading a couple more people, Trent Grisham, um, Mauricio Dubon. You, they were literally one game away from the World Series, and you never know what's going to happen when you get there, and you never know when that window is going to close. I don't think the Brewers' window is closed per se, but now the farm system is depleted. It's yeah. rough. Yeah. It's not in good shape at all, and they didn't win. They want a pennant 
great. But, but that, that's what the twins issue risks. So yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, people might not like a move right away, but you you never know with injuries. The window can close very, very, very quickly, and then you are stuck rebuilding again. So well, like they say, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Yeah, exactly. But so. but I mean, when you look back at that run, if you would have not made some of those moves and gotten to the division series, yeah, like. Adding Christian Yelich, who won the MVP, wasn't enough to get to the World Series. Yeah, exactly. It it didn't mean that they didn't have a wildly successful year, and they came what one game away at home. Yep. And the, it was the Dodgers that lost. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and it and it was and it was the players that we sort of depended on all season long. Yeah. Too Jeffress blew a couple games in the playoffs, and you never know what's going to happen. So it's never a bad thing to have too many options in right. the bullpen or too many options on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um. Those players in the farm system aren't doing anything that time of year, so yeah, get rid of them. So I didn't mean the Quato <laughs> tweet, tweet, but I did mean <laughs> that the Twins should see if they can trade Carlos Gomez, Kevin Mulvey, Phil Umber, and Dale Esquera for Thor. <laughs> That's the Johan Santana trade, so I'm not bitter. Uh, um, next time around, we'll, we're going to take some questions here before we go from the, the fans, the adoring fans that we have. But we will talk about on Friday, in addition to whatever trades go down, um, Baseball America's Best Tools came out. Tom was not listed, just so uh, you know. That, this is the worst podcast. And, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I read online, too. <laughs> um, we got some Fangraphs prospect updates, some Baseball America prospect updates that we'll go over. But we've got about a handful of random questions that we'll wrap up the extravaganza with. And what do you think? I mean, should we go for it? Let's do it. Rapid fire. Sean Martins wants to know, would you trade Jonathan Scope to San Francisco for Sam Dyson or with more for Will Smith? I, I, th- that's, that's not an option. San Francisco does not need Jonathan Scope. And if you're going to get Dyson, you're going to have to give them something like a prospect or two and Smith really not on the table. I know they could use a second baseman because Joe Panic's having a tough season. But this, to me, felt a little bit like a video game trade proposal. Justin Bailey was on board. Big scope hater. Yeah, yeah big you're right. Fan. I mean, again, people think through what the need is for the Twins, not the other team. Colin Nelson, could you see a move for Billy Hamilton? Uh, not right now. If he got designated and released by the Royals and the Twins signed to a minor league deal and they brought him up in September, all bets are off because then you'd have an expanded roster. Sure. Right now, though, they're going to have a bench crunch when – um, Crone gets healthy. They're going to have to send down a position player. Is it a rise? He's played so well, you really can't send him down. So do you send down a pitcher and go back to a 12-man pitching staff? And then you have Astadio, who will eventually get healthy, who will be sent down. There's no doubt in my mind. But you're already in a bench crunch with four guys. You're not adding a fifth into the mix. You're just not going to do it. So Billy Hamilton makes sense for this team, a la Terrence Gore on the Royals back in the years they were winning divisions and playing in postseason games. But as a July trade, no. Christian Smith wants to know, are you guys baffled by the price for Stroman? The Twins have a deep system. Could they not offer more? Seems we we kind of touched on that. So we touched on that, but yeah, I agree. I think the Twins could have offered more. I just think the Mets did not cycle back, and I think that that was um, – that's why it didn't happen. Now, Gopher Fan Zone wants to know, is David Price on the table after all his drama with Dennis Eckersley? Uh, Amazing. Do you know about this, Hey Bales? He literally, he got mad at Hey, Bales, them. that's the new one. He's, that's what uh, Simon's calls. Uh, I like it. Uh, so yeah, he not, had some beef with He's him. not. He's got beef with Dennis Eckersley. He's not, and I'll tell you why. Because he's got 
a $31 million deal for this year, $32 million annually for the next three years. And oh, so, okay, I thought he could opt out um, after this year. It was after last year. Still, with $32 million on the table for the next three years, um, let's see, I don't think there's a no-trade clause. I just, I don't see it happening. I don't see the Twins taking on $100 million for a guy whose best days are behind him. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, at first, I thought he was available to opt out after this year, which would mean you'd have to find common ground between one year and three years. But, yeah, $32 million a year. David Price just doesn't do it for me to take on that. 33 years home. Would you, I mean, would you prefer Price to Granke? I don't even think I would at the age difference. I think I'd prefer to have Granke at that. Yes. Ralph Walker wants to know, would you do Trevor Larnick and a lotto ticket for Ken Giles? Uh, on the surface, no, because Giles has the elbow. But even if Giles was healthy, no. I'm not trading. A, I'm not. Trading <laughs> not even a, Giles Peril, really. No, I'm not trading a regular. I'm not trading a regular outfielder for an out, um, a reliever. That just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, Matt Bigelow says, "Is Byron Buxton so good that anybody who thinks about him trading him is automatically an idiot?" That's a funny question. Uh, I don't think he's so good that you couldn't make trade him in a trade for uh, a Blake Snell a year ago, like we were talking about off the air. Like this, this is who. Matt Bigelow asked if Byron Buxton is so good that if someone says, I would trade him for player X, is that person who's trading Buxton automatically an idiot in your mind? I mean, I, is not an idiot. Don't trade Byron Buxton, though. Yeah, yeah. I think for a Buxton trade, you'd have to have some kind of perfect confluence of like, yeah, like Christian Yelich coming back, yeah. you know, which doesn't make sense for anybody. Probably trade him for Lewis Brinson. Yeah, I, no, hands down. <laughs> Boy, there's Damn. a guy who had a worse start to his career than Byron Buxton. Damn it's Lewis it. Brinson. Uh, another Colin Nelson. Is Trevor Bauer a fit with Minnesota? Uh, no. Yes. No. Yes. No. No. Sabotage. Yes. Saboteur. 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 Um, uh, no, he, Bailey just wants baseball, so he's like, you know, he might throw nice me one. little landing spot out in center field for him to throw the balls out to when he... Can throw it into the... <laughs> throw it into catch. He can have yeah. a catch yeah. with the guys out there. Um, uh, uh, in, in all seriousness, if the Twins wanted a, an ace, we know Falvey and him have a relationship but no, there's just no fit. It doesn't make sense to trade big-time prospects for a guy who's only going to sign one-year deals. Um, I think Colin kind of misread a tweet that Lavelle had about if uh, if there was a trade, Lavelle would be absolutely flabbergasted if it was Bauer. Um, then add into the mix that the Twins would be involved, and no, it's, it's not yeah. happening. Yeah. All right, last one. Andrew Schweiler wants to know, the Twins missed out on Stroman. Does that mean you think they will go deeper with their bullpen in trades? So... We've kind of already addressed that, but I still think they could circle around as far as you know starting pitchers are concerned. But I think it's bullpen or bust at this point. I'm going to write about it on a. I'm going to write a trade deadline primer for the site probably tonight, and it'll just be you know what bats could they go for? Probably none. What starters? Very few. And then relievers. It's like boom, you know, twenty guys could make sense. So yeah, I think bullpen, bullpen, bullpen is going to be the the focus. And I think it's going to be creative again because they're not going to trade big prospects for relievers no matter how well-known they are. You're not getting Mariano Rivera in his prime. You're not getting Andrew Miller in his prime. You're not getting Eric Gagne in his prime. You're going to get guys who may be a little under the radar but can certainly help you build a bridge to Taylor Rogers or fill in in the ninth if you have Rogers come in early. Anything we missed? Don't ask Bailey. He's going to want to talk about trades. Otherwise, I think I think that was a productive 
trade extravaganza. Check us out on Friday. We'll come back. We'll recap trade season, at least as far as the Twins are concerned. We'll talk about the Twins in Miami. Maybe have a little bit of welcome to Miami from Will Smith. No, probably not, but uh, we don't want to have a Luke Spinman situation where we get banned. Uh, yikes. I liked when you asked him on, if he was on Twitter today at the meeting, and he said, I will be. I've tweeted a few free Luke Inman protests, but to no avail. Anyway, see you all on Friday. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. For Tom Schreier, for producer Justin, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you for checking us out. Tune in next time for an all-new edition of Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. Chicago.